On today's program, we will discuss the conversation that has dominated most Redskins-related conversations for the past week and a half, that being, who do you take at number two, Tua Tungabailoa or Chase Young? We'll do that on the back end of the podcast today. I have the latest for you on the Brandon Sheriff situation, a slight change from what we've been hearing for the past few days, and we will discuss in detail what should we do with Trent Williams that will benefit our team the most. And that's where we'll start today. Drag up that diesel. This is the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. As always, if this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe to us wherever it is that you get your podcast. We have a good amount to discuss today. I'm going to try and go through it as quickly as I can. We will get to Tua and Chase Young. We will get a little bit to Brandon Share, but we're going to start with the big news with Trent Williams. Yesterday, it was reported by Diana Rossini and confirmed by multiple other sources that the Redskins are granting Trent Williams the opportunity to seek a trade. So they are allowing him to go look out, see what the market is for him, see what is out there and say, hey, if you can find something, we would be more than happy to deal you. So this is kind of like almost a little bit of closure in a weird sense. I don't really know what the future holds. I don't know if we're going to actually trade him. There is still a lot to be to be done in this process, but at least it is a the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. And I want to make it very clear I am still very much pro Trent William playing for the Redskins. I think he's one of the best left tackles. He's awesome at what he does, and he's better than just about 90% of the league at what he does. But I also understand that this is a business, and I have to look at it as such, as do you, because money is a factor in this game, and Trent Williams wants a lot of money. And the external factors are keeping him from joining the Redskins this year or playing for the Redskins ever again. And those external factors, the biggest one is the money. You have the health situation because he had a history with injuries and he didn't play last year. So that does factor into it at least a little bit. And there is this beef between him and the team. Now, that seems to have been a little bit smoothed over, but there is still lingering effects of this beef. And I don't really know how deep it lies on his end. Quite frankly, I don't know how deep it lies on our end either, but there is something there still, some sort of animosity that could impact whether or not he wants to play for us this year. But we are going to operate under the assumption that the team is going to trade him because they don't want to pay him the money. And we have seen some of the rumored numbers. I saw something like $18 million, which would be top price for a left tackle. I know JP Finley reported something that said uh, if he were to release the numbers, the numbers that he had heard, it would be just through the roof. Astronomical people would be riding because the numbers are so high. So with that in mind, we are going to operate under the assumption that the Redskins are not bringing him back. But that does leave an opportunity open for this team to get something in return for Trent Williams. So we're not just letting him walk in free agency. As much as Bruce Allen seemed to do his best to screw this whole situation up and leave the Redskins with the worst possible scenario, there is still a small lingering amount of hope inside of me and hopefully inside of you that would suggest that maybe this team can get some sort of real value for Trent Williams. I saw his workout videos that he posted or that were posted by somebody of him working out. He looked really, really great. 
His boxing was really, really cool. That obviously doesn't have a direct correlation, I don't think, to playing left tackle, but it is just nice to see him in good shape. I saw him squatting a little bit, which again, doesn't have a huge correlation to playing left tackle in the NFL. But again, it's also cool to see him squatting again because I don't know if he was doing that last year. So for Trent, the person... I'm happy that he seems to be in good shape. He says he's in some of the best shape of his life, which is what everybody says after they get done with an injury. I mean, that's just a fact. Everyone says, oh, I'm coming back, and I'm in the best shape of my life. And he has to sell himself as being in the best shape of his life because he does have a contract that he wants to get from somebody that's going to be worth a lot of money, so he's not going to come back and say, actually, I feel really terrible. So take those videos with a grain of salt, but just from a personal standpoint, I guess it's really cool to see Trent at least working out and, um, and feeling good. Now, for the Redskins, if we do move on from him and do so in a trade, assuming we don't get any actual player under contract back from said trade, losing Trent Williams' contract would put us now up to $72 million in cap space for this offseason. So that's a pretty big deal, and that is definitely going to be a factor into the contract negotiation of Brandon Sheriff, who, as Ian Rappaport reported earlier today, and today is a Friday that this is being recorded, as he reported earlier today, The Redskins are working their best to actually lock Sheriff up long term and not do the franchise tag thing, which I think is great because I don't know what I don't have the numbers directly in front of me. But it seems like once you put a guy on the franchise tag, the writing is on the wall that eventually he is going to leave. And I like Brandon Sheriff. I think he does a good job. I would like to lock him up long term, especially if we're going to have Dwayne Haskins as a young quarterback. I think having a strong offensive line and offensive line with chemistry is important to the maximizing of Dwayne Haskins' talent and ability. So I like keeping Sheriff. I hope they get a long-term deal done. The franchise tag has never seemed to work for this team or any other team, so I would like to avoid that at absolutely all costs. Now for the actual trade situation itself. We are going to operate, because I have a couple teams listed out in front of me here that we're going to talk about the pros and the cons, both for that team as to why they would want Trent Williams and what they can offer us in return. I'm going to look at this operating under the assumption, and I would like you to do the same, operating under the assumption that the contract is going to happen. I don't care what amount of money these teams pay Trent Williams, but we are going to operate under the assumption with these trade scenarios that the contract is good, they have agreed to it, and we are shipping Trent Williams off and getting something in return. So the first team that we're going to start with is the Cleveland Browns. They were obviously heavily rumored and had real interest in acquiring Trent Williams last season. Bruce Allen, surprise, surprise, completely squandered that again. But I feel like Cleveland is in almost a little bit of a more desperate spot now than they were then because it was the middle of the season. Obviously, we know what happened with the Cleveland Browns. They had a whole lot of hype coming into last year, and they fell far short of it because they had a lot of issues. And will Trent Williams fix those issues? No, but it's a big splash, and Cleveland is someone that needs a big splash, it seems like, every year because they like to hear themselves being talked about in the media, whether they want to admit it or not. And because they didn't have the best year in the world and because their other left tackle just got arrested for like nearly 200 pounds of marijuana, they have a hole. They have an opening there. The question is, what will they give us in return? I have seen some rumors, and I don't think these are like real rumors. This is just fans having fun on the internet. But the idea of swapping Trent Williams for Odell Beckham Jr. is funny. I mean, it is something that you can just kind of lay in bed at one night and think about like, wow, what would that look like? Or maybe you're driving home from traffic, just bored out of your mind, thinking, what would it look like if Odell Beckham Jr. was on the Redskins? And quite frankly, I don't know if I would... I don't know if I would want Odell Beckham the, I don't, I don't even want to say a head case because I don't think, I think that 
Odo Beckham as a head case thing is a bit of low-hanging fruit. But also at the same time, as great as a receiver as he is, and he is fantastic, he doesn't seem to win a lot. And that's not directly correlated to him. But like some of it is. Like we're not just going to sit here and say like it's everyone else's fault except for Odo Beckham Jr.'s. We know kind of the antics that he is about. And I don't know if I want to to put that with our team. And I also just quite frankly would like Terry to get a lot more reception. And I feel like putting Odo Beckham there would take away and hinder his growth a little bit. But at the same time, like you're not going to say no to Odo Beckham Jr. Now, money-wise, that would kind of mess up the $72 million that we would have in free agency because Odo Beckham Jr. does have a pretty big contract. But that aside, I just don't think that's realistic. I know Odo Beckham Jr. has expressed at least at some point that he wants to leave Cleveland. I highly doubt that he would go from the Giants to Cleveland to here. That's probably not his ideal career path. But hey, if he's getting traded, he doesn't really have a say in any of that. Now, with that whole fantasy land trade aside... The Browns do have the 10th pick in this year's upcoming draft, and there is potential that if they don't want to give that pick up, they could give up a first round in the future because, quite frankly, if you are the Browns and you are agreeing to take on Trent Williams, you obviously think of him very highly, and you think that you might not be able to get a player better than him in the first round, which could lead to them giving us their first round pick. And from our standpoint, if we can have the second overall pick and the 10th overall pick, that's a pretty damn big deal. You know, this team is not one pick away from going to the Super Bowl. This team is not one pick away from winning the division, and we recognize that. So to, if we were to have two first-round picks, and odds are you could probably find a pretty good young tackle at 10. This does seem to be a nice draft when it comes to offensive tackle. I don't know if it's super-duper loaded because, quite frankly, I don't look at a lot of offensive tackle film. I just don't. I look at other teams. I look at other positions films, but I don't look at a lot of offensive tackle films. But if you have two and 10... Odds are you're bolstering that defensive lineup a little bit with Chase Young, and you can draft a tackle that could be your replacement to Trent Williams. I like Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. I think he's really good, and he might actually still be available at 10. So that would be a huge win for us. They do have a second-round pick, which is number 41. So the, Cleveland does have a little bit of draft capital, and I'm, I'm anticipating that we are going to be headed after that draft capital. I still think that maybe just maybe because Cleveland is desperate enough, they could offer up a first. I just think, I mean, that organization is not the best run organization in the world. And sometimes you kind of have to play off of that a little bit. Like that has been us for a good amount of time. It's time to play a little bit of offense with the teams that are also dumb. Steal a first round pick from them and then bolster up that offensive line a little bit. So that's one. We know they have interest. We know they had it last year. We know they still have some sort of interest. So there are real discussions happening, I think allegedly there are discussions happening between some people in our organization and some people in their organization about this Trent Williams individual so that could be a very realistic landing spot for Trent Williams the second one is the Miami Dolphin and if you want to talk about draft capital lord have mercy they are the president of having draft capital this year especially in the first round they have three first round picks and we know with number five Miami is doing their best to get a quarterback I don't know who that quarterback is going to be. It could be Tua. It could be Justin Herbert. It could be Jordan Love, who everyone is seemingly starting to fall in love with. I don't know who it is going to be. But odds are, if you are going to draft a quarterback at five, you probably want somebody to protect him. And if it's going to be Herbert or Love, those are both right-handed guys, you would want somebody to protect the blind side. If it's going to be Tua, 
You just want someone to protect Tua in general because he's kind of made out of glass, it seems like, at this point. So Miami could be a really good spot if they're not forced to trade up to get the quarterback that they want. So in a weird way, we should be crossing their fingers that maybe just maybe Tua, the man of their dreams, the man that they tanked for, lands to them at five, which would make them more willing to possibly pull the trigger and give us one of their first round picks in the later part of the draft, which would either be 18 or 26. I will take either of them. Get one of those picks, ship Trent Williams off to them. They're happy, we're happy, and we don't really have to deal with them for the next few years. Like this might be one of the best situations because we don't we played them this year. We don't have to see them for a couple more years. That would be probably the best in terms of working out for both teams. And we get the draft capital because they have tons of it. And they might even be willing to give a first and like a fourth. I mean, hell, if we can just stock up all this draft capital, I say why not do it? Because I don't know if Miami is going to find a better left tackle than Trent Williams that they can just plug in right away at 18 or 26 at least with us we have shown some sort of ability to develop tackles and seeing as they just traded one of their tackles I mean could you imagine flipping Laramie Tunsil for Trent Williams if that's what Miami does in like a two-year process I mean that's a huge win for them so realistically and logically it does make a little bit of sense for Miami to inquire about Trent Williams if they get their guy at five. So that's going to be kind of your dark horse team a little bit to keep an eye on. I Again, this is going to heavily rely on them getting their guy at five and not having to utilize their draft capital in the back half of that first round to move up to get their guy. But if they can get their guy at five, they could be looking around realistically and saying, hey, Trent Williams would be a really great addition to this team. And all of a sudden, our offense looks a whole lot better. So Miami is a team to watch out for. Now, the next two teams are going to depend solely on the decision-making of Tom Brady. We're going to start on the West Coast with the Los Angeles Chargers. If they can acquire Tom Brady this offseason, and to start, I have no idea how realistic that is going to be. I can't even begin to put myself in the thought process of Tom Brady because nobody has any realistic idea of what he's going to do. We've seen a lot of reports. We just know the Chargers are rumored to be one of the teams that he's interested in. But at this particular point in time, On March 6th, we have absolutely no idea. Now, with that said, if he does pick the Chargers, they're not going to need a tackle. They're not going to need a quarterback at six, right? If they if Tom Brady doesn't, if Tom Brady doesn't pick the Chargers, they're they're in the market for a quarterback. They don't have anybody on their roster right now that you could go into next season and feel confident with. Now, maybe they sign another quarterback in the offseason, but I mean, look, I'm not going to put myself in the the decision-making of the Chargers. I'm just saying, if they can get Tom Brady, they are going to need to protect a 42, 43-year-old, 44-year-old Tom Brady for the foreseeable future. Trent Williams could be the guy to do so. And you could flop that number six pick because are you going to get a better guy than Trent Williams at number six? I don't know. But you could sweet-talk them a little bit. Say, hey, you have a guy that you can plug in immediately. You don't have to wait to build into a good left tackle you can plug Trent Williams in immediately he's in a new home you have him protecting the blind side of Tom Brady please give us your sixth round pick and hopefully they say hey you guys are acting like a smart organization for once in a while we will reward you for this smart intel and we are going to give you our sixth pick and if we get the sixth pick I mean good lord have mercy if we have Chase Young and the sixth pick there's some really really good guys in this draft class and it takes one or two silly teams to swing and miss and pass up Isaiah Simmons and maybe just maybe if this scenario works out you get Chase Young 
you get Isaiah Simmons, and all of a sudden our defense, with new coaching, with smart coaching, that is not going to be complicated schematically, all of a sudden our defense looks incredible. Now, maybe they don't want to give the sixth pick and they give us another pick. Granted, we will still take the draft capital if it's later, but the sixth pick is something that you should be keeping an eye on if you are the team. Like, if you're going to give up Trent Williams, we would like something nice in return, please. And that sixth pick is what the Chargers have to bring to the table at this particular point in time, and you're not saying no to that. You just aren't. That pick is too nice. You're not going to say no to that. So if, they can, if we can get the sixth pick from them, we're in business, baby. We are in some big-time business. And the final team that we're going to discuss today, I mean, we can realistically go through just about every single team in the NFL and say why they should have Trent Williams and what they should give up for that. But this final team is a team that was rumored last year to have some sort of interest in Trent Williams, that being the New England Patriots. And once again, they are going to depend heavily on what Tom Brady decides to do. If Tom Brady decides to stay in New England, they need a good offensive line to protect him. He's in his 40s. They inquired about Trent Williams last year. Maybe they do so again. And because they have a later first-round pick, I mean, Bill Belichick seemingly, he's very different from everybody. His thought process is so different. I could actually see him giving up the 23rd overall pick. Like, I feel like he's not a guy that gives up a first-round pick for an offensive line, but because I think that he's not a guy that gives up a first-round pick for an offensive line, that might make him a guy that would give up a first-round pick for the offensive line because while he is a genius, there are certain times where it seems like Bill Belichick just does things differently because he can, and he just wants to see how people would react. And if he does that and gives us the 23rd pick, I will take that. There are still, this draft class is so unbelievably deep, we might still be able to get a tackle deep, we might still be able to get some sort of defensive help deep, or we can get another wide receiver to pair up with the group that we already have with 23. So if Tom Brady stays in New England, the Patriots could go ahead and say, let's bolster up this offensive line just a little bit more, let's give him some time, we'll work on getting help when it comes to actually paying for help when it comes to receivers, we want Trent Williams, please give him to us, and we will say, Yes, for the 23rd overall pick, you can have Trent Williams. We will take that cap space and the 23rd overall pick, and we will be good to go. So those are the four teams that I have at this particular point in time. If you disagree or agree, please let me know. I mean, obviously, I would like you more to agree, but if you have any other thoughts on any other teams that realistically have the draft capital, because I'm speaking solely for draft capital here, I don't want another player in return. I want draft capital so we can build through the team, through the draft. I do think that's the best way to build a Super Bowl winning team. So give me some other thoughts on Twitter at Denton underscore day, or if you're listening on the Hogshaven website, you can do so in the comments section below. All right, so if you will now allow me to beat a discussion that has probably been beat into your head already for the last week and a half, we're going to talk briefly about the Tua or Chase Young dilemma that we are facing with the number two overall pick. Now, if you have been listening intently to the previous 18-ish minutes of this podcast, you will know that I referenced Chase Young being a Redskin multiple times, and that's not changing in this segment. I'm not flipping back and forth here. I am still very much on the Chase Young train, and there are a couple reasons for that. First and foremost, I do like Dwayne Haskins, right? I know I know some people, uh, whether it be on tweet, Twitter, whether it be in the media, whether it be what you read on anywhere else that you read Redskins-related content, there are going to be some people that are anti-Dwayne Haskins. 
I am not one of those people. I have been pro Dwayne Haskins since we drafted Dwayne Haskins. I have liked what I've seen from him when it comes to his development, and I think he has a really unique opportunity to get better. Now, I know a lot of people are going to compare this situation to the Kyler Murray-Josh Rosen situation that Arizona had last season, and I think Arizona made the right choice, but I also was never a huge Josh Rosen guy to begin with. I, I watched him a ton in college. I watched him leading up to the draft. I know a lot of people said he is the most talented in that draft class. I thought that was a weak draft class in general. I was never huge on Josh Rosen. I was much bigger on Dwayne Haskins based on what I saw in college, based on what I saw leading up to the draft, and because he landed on our team, that does have a little bit of a factor into that. But I was big on Dwayne Haskins more so than I was on Josh Rosen. And because I have seen the development of Dwayne Haskins, I look at Haskins and say, this is a guy that I think could be the future of our franchise. Now, I'm not saying Tua can't be. Like, I do understand the thought process of suggesting that Tua, when healthy, is the better quarterback for a longer period of time. I think Tua is one of the best quarterbacks I've seen in college when he's healthy. But we can't just dance around this when he's healthy thing. And I know the medical is going to be crucial to the development of should we actually take him at two. All signs are pointing to in like four days, three, four days, we are going to know that Tua is medically cleared. That's what that's what seems to be uh, the case as to when it will happen officially. It'll be, I think, the 9th of March, 9th or 10th, where he will officially get that medical. The thumbs up will be given and everybody will start to go crazy for Tua mania. But I don't know if it's worth wasting what we have now, and I know that sounds weird. I Let me rephrase that. I don't think it's worth throwing the monkey wrench into the situation. If you could give me the option of 10 years of health for both quarterbacks, who would you take, Tua or Dwayne Haskins? I'm going to take Tua. I will. But we're not going to play this what-if fantasy game, fantasy land, dance through the prairie with sunshine and rainbows where we are just guaranteeing 10 years of health for Tua Tungavailoa. We have seen both of the injuries that he has had. We have seen them with our own two eyes. They didn't. They weren't devastating injuries. They were just kind of normal hits. Like, yes, it would hurt. I get it. The, being tackled by two guys would hurt. But when you saw Tua get hurt, it was kind of a basic play. Like, there was nothing grotesque about it. You didn't see anything that was just absolutely crazy. You can watch the replay 86 different times from 86 different angles and you won't really be able to see when exactly the injury occurred because it was just kind of a normal play. And I don't think it's worth this young collective group that we have, which I do believe is a good group to move forward with when it comes to just the core of this team. I don't know if it is worth throwing that monkey wrench into the organization, causing the stir that it would, because anytime you have a quarterback battle between two young guys, you didn't give the first guy a real fighting chance because he had a bunch of morons in his first year running the system. And then you, the second year, you bring in this new guy from Alabama who was great in college, but you just don't give Dwayne a real fighting chance. It is going to kind of divide a locker room in a sense. And because we have a good amount of Ohio State players in this locker room and a good amount of Alabama players in this locker room, which I like, by the way, because those two programs know how to win at the collegiate level, there's going to be some sort of divide when it comes to to those guys, and it seems like it is a, a situation that is destined to cause more trouble than it is to guarantee real success. It's a high-risk, high-reward type situation, and I don't know if this team right now is in a good position to make a high-risk, high-reward type decision. 
if we have Tua, we are not all of a sudden the favorites in the NFC East. I don't think there is a massive issue with a slow build when it comes to building an NFL organization, particularly this team. I know sometimes we want the big splash, but we've had the big splash in the past. We've done it a couple times over the last two decades since Dan Snyder's owned the team, and it has not really worked out that well. So I don't think this is a great time to make that big splash because I don't know if plugging Tua in immediately makes us this Super Bowl contender. And I've heard a lot of these questions asked, well, who do you think is more likely to win a Super Bowl? I don't know if either of them are likely or guaranteed to win a Super Bowl. Like if we are drafting based off of that for this franchise with this personnel, we are a little out of the loop. This needs to be a slow build. Oh, and by the way, if you haven't actually watched Chase Young, the guy that we should take at number two, he is amazing. I mean, he is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of player, a once-in-a-lifetime caliber of player, and I almost feel like he's getting massively overlooked in this whole situation because we have this weird tendency to fall in love with quarterbacks, and I get that. A lot of people like watching offense more than they like watching defense. I understand, but Chase Young is so unbelievably dominant. He was one of the best defensive ends that Ohio State has ever had, and they had both Bosa's. And we know just how great Nick Bosa is. And there are people that says, well, Chase Young could be better than Nick Bosa. He could translate quicker to the NFL than Nick Bosa did. And Bosa has been amazing. And when you factor in the way that we have already built our defensive line, like Chase Young, if you watch the the final few games for Ohio State, if you watch Chase Young, you will not see him getting a lot of sacks. He didn't. I mean, you could look at the box score. You could look at the actual game tape itself. You will not see him getting a lot of sacks. But if you watch the actual game tape, you will see double teams. So you look at the box score say, okay, he's not getting sacks. Now I'm going to watch the game tape. Still not getting sacks, but he is getting double teamed. But he is still consistently getting pressure to the quarterback. They're just not resulting in sacks. Well, at Ohio State, their defensive line was good. But the defensive line that we have built here especially if we are in this 4-3, I mean, we got five or six guys that are premier rushing the quarterback guys. You have Montez Sweat. You will add Chase Young into this mix. Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne, John Allen, and then Ryan Kerrigan. Because it seems like we're going to keep him at least for this year, and then we'll decide what to do with him next. Chase Young isn't getting double teamed in those situations, or at least not a ton. Because you can't double-team all of those dudes. We have guys on this defensive line that can win one-on-one matchups. That can win one-on-one matchups in the passing game and in the run game. And that's crucial to building a good defensive line. And I'm, a, I'm very much a pro build your defense through the front seven, specifically through the front four. I'm about as pro that style of building a team as you will find. And throwing Chase Young into the mix, it seems like it sets us up for a dominant few years with all of those guys. And I don't know if that's something that you can pass up. I don't, because I think we have seen, I mean, with San Francisco, they're a great, they're an absolutely perfect example of this. And Mel Kuyper said this when he first reported this, like, hey, well, who won the Super Bowl? It wasn't the defensive line, it was Patrick Mahomes, which is accurate. But are we saying two is going to immediately become Patrick Mahomes? Because I hope you're not. I hope you're not. But also, at the same time, with San Francisco, that team won four games last year. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not great. Is he slightly better than Dwayne Haskins right now? Yes. But it's only slightly. Like, I don't watch Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm not consistently in awe. 
I don't watch him and think, wow, that dude is miles better than our quarterback here. I don't. Is he better? Yes. Does he have a better offensive coordinator? At least at this particular point in time, yes, because Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius and gets the most out of quarterbacks. I don't really know what our offensive coordinator situation is going to realistically turn into. I have hope in Scott Turner, but I'm not like super optimistic. But he's not miles better than Dwayne Haskins. So if we build this team through the defense, and if we use other parts of this draft to build through the offense, to get a couple more receivers, one or two, I'm really liking Antonio Gandy Colton out of Liberty. Now, I went to Liberty. I have a Liberty sweatshirt on right now. I went to Liberty, so I'm a little bit biased there. But trust me, that dude could be available in the third or fourth round. That's a huge get for this team if we can grab him. He's a tall dude. He can go up and get the football, pairing him with Terry versus Sims and Harmon. And then getting a tight end and putting those guys, and that's our group of receivers. That's our group of pass catchers. Dwayne's production is going to be a lot better with that group. It just is. So I am very much still pro Chase Young. I understand the idea of why you would want Tua. I just think it's silly. Embrace the slow build. We do have passionate fans who will get behind you on this slow build because I feel like a lot of times... And this kind of transcends football. This is just with sports in general. I feel like a lot of times teams that do a slow build properly usually get out of that build about a year or two before they expect to. Because the way they develop their players, it goes faster than originally scheduled and good things happen. So I am very much pro in favor of the slow build right now. And I am even more pro Chase Young. The dude is a transcendent talent. You cannot pass him up because lord help us all if we pass him up if detroit does something silly with their pick and then chase young falls to the new york giants and we have to play him twice a year god help us all my mental state your mental state it will not be in a good spot because we don't want to see that dude after we passed him up twice a year so just keep it simple stupid kiss that's what they told you when you were like elementary middle school right keep it simple draft the world-class talent at two. And then build everything else through the draft, through the rest of the draft. It's really that simple. But I'd love to know your thoughts. Again, tweet at me, at Denton underscore day. Thoughts on the Trent Williams trade. Thoughts on the Tua versus Chase Young conversation. I want to hear it all. That's going to wrap it up for us. I'm excited to get some more stuff coming out here when we get closer to the draft. The combine is in the past. We'll start to really do a deep dive on free agency uh, and the draft, some positions that I think we should address. We'll do that in the coming weeks. Until then, I'm on Twitter, at Denton underscore day, and I'll see you next time on the Pigpen Podcast. <laughs>